Welcome to Learning with Lisa, Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast with Lisa Navarra, award-winning educator, consultant, behavior specialist, author, and parent. This podcast provides support for school leaders, educators, and parents. We share and discuss evidence-based resources that are embedded in social and emotional learning to meet the needs of students who struggle focusing and learning. Teachers and parents find information and strategies to improve students' academic, behavioral, and social-emotional performance. It's time to turn kids from I can't into I can. Hi. In today's episode, we discuss how the way students are praised will either encourage them to learn more or avoid challenges. We also talk about the do's and don'ts when praising and hope to have you thinking about how you praise like never before. What are the reasons you praise your students? Do you praise them so they can continue with the behavior? To show them approval or encouragement to continue with what they're doing? Do you want them to feel proud of themselves because they're doing their very best? If so, you might say something such as, I like the strategy you use of drawing a quick picture to solve your addition problem. Or you might say a simple praise such as, good job. Either way, you're sending the message that you approve of their work and you're proud of them. And obviously then you want them to continue with that behavior. But there is a big distinction between those two statements. In the first statement, I like the strategy of you drawing a quick picture. Tell the student specifically what it is that they are doing that you see is working for them. Whereas the statement of good job, that's very vague. And it's left for the student to interpret what your message really is. They might be thinking or interpreting your message as, I'm so smart, I got the answer right. I'm sitting quietly and doing my work and she's proud of me. Well, this non-specific behavior phrase statement lacks the detail that is needed for the full understanding of what behavior was used to earn that phrase. That's the biggest distinction I want you to realize today. And if the student has interpreted the good job as, well, I made the teacher happy because I got the right answer, well, then this can shape the type of thinking we really want to avoid. Students learn and perform best when they approach work with the intent of trying their best just so they feel good, do their best, and they know on some level, it's in their best interest to do so. With this intrinsic motivation, that student begins to develop a growth mindset and a positive self-concept. And you might be thinking, well, how does a growth mindset and a positive self-concept be supported through how I praise my students? Or you might be questioning, well, what I said was positive and well-intended, what harm can it do? Well, with all good intentions, according to Carol Dweck, who's an authority on praise, her research has found that 
90% of students praised for their effort, their effort, wanted challenging new tasks and thought they can learn from these challenges. Whereas students who were praised for their ability, for example, what they scored on a test, well, 40% of those students inflated their scores to their peers. They lied. They said they did better than they actually did. They also thought, now listen to this, because they also thought that when they didn't perform well on an assignment, they weren't as smart as before they attempted the assignment, going directly to their self-concept, all because of the way these students were praised. So I want you to remember some easy do's and don'ts, okay? And these top three don'ts I stick by every day. And if you ever have a conversation with me, I'm always talking with my parents um, where they might say in my office, oh, he's such a good boy. Oh, he's so smart. My, my tenants go up and we start right away with we need to avoid telling children, you are so smart, good boy and good girl. These non-specific praise statements make a judgment on what you think their intellect and self-worth are. Do you see a difference between talking and praising and encouraging about effort compared to the ability? Let's go on. So another example that breeds that fixed mindset, you know, that black and white thinking that has no room for details or change or critical thinking or the change that I can't into I can attitude is, wow, you've got 100, the perfect score. You did awesome. Things that come so naturally to us and we mean so well can actually be setting our students and children back. We call this type of praise non-specific praise. We want kids to be able to learn from their mistakes by looking at the details. And students begin through this process of hearing us the way that we speak to them to be able to recognize their actions. When kids make action and tie them directly into what outcomes they have produced. In my next podcast with special education teacher, Nancy Hernandez, we talk about how some of her students interpreted a poster that I hung up outside of my classroom and it was titled, Stop, Stop Saying You're So Smart. And then it listed a lot of those behavior specific praise type, type of statements. Well, the reaction of some of her fourth grade girls made me feel really very, very sad for them. They had such vulnerable perceptions of themselves that when they passed my room, they read, stop saying you are so smart as that poster saying to them, they're not smart. Don't tell yourself that. So of course, this then validated me on my mission to educate about this topic and how important it is to teach how praise really does impact students' self-worth and confidence. So I immediately changed 
the title of the poster to say what I really meant it to say, which is instead of saying you're so smart, good girl, or a good boy, try saying. And on this poster, there's again, different behavior specific praise statements that I say to my clients, even the parents that I work with, as well as the students. And so what I've done is I've made this available for you free as a download on my teacher pay teacher store under Henry's tools. And it looks like this. And you can download it, you can hang it up, and you can kind of get a jump start on all of this. And for any of you who are wondering, why would I name my teacher pay teacher store Henry's tools? Well, Henry's that guy right behind me. And Henry is the nucleus of my books as the main character, as well as the resources. Because in my books, he has ADHD. And he was basically all over the place in the beginning. And then he learns through all these types of positive praise and cognitive skills and how to take action to be able to self-regulate and follow himself and to focus. And of course, the bottom line is, so he learns to turn his I can't into I can. So I hope you enjoy that. While we're on the subject of praise and encouragement, it's important to realize, which many of us do, that test taking for children and students who struggle learning on any level can be a very delicate situation for them. I wanna share with you an experience that I had as I was working in a classroom and I was administering a standardized test and I had a proctor with me. And the assignment was through the test to write about a temperature that you like more, whether it be hot and cold or cold and why. So I saw my third grade student who has a very, very low self-esteem. He's reading and writing on the kindergarten level, super aware, extremely verbal, knows what's going on with him, highly emotionally intelligent, but he has a severe deficit in reading and writing. I noticed, and I was so proud of him, that he was going back through the texts to actually try and help him answer the question. For this student, it was tremendous because he would avoid at all costs reading and writing if possible. But he took this moment to take that deep breath and take a risk and use a strategy of going back. And he started writing, but he stopped. He stopped after attempting about a sentence. It looked like maybe a sentence and a half. And the proctor with all good intentions said to him, come on, let's go. It's easy for you. It's all about what you like. So hopefully at this point, I have you thinking a little bit more in depth about what we need to say to students on ability and effort and how they impact the students. So now what do you think happened? It hit him hard and it hit his confidence hard because he was doing the best that he knew and was willing to go there and try it. And so as soon as I walked over, he said, I couldn't write a good sentence. And he took that encouragement, all good intentions. 
as I wasn't good enough and neither was my work and neither was my effort and he wouldn't write anymore. And as a side note in terms of behavior in addition to the praise, because really I can't help myself when I talk to you, I wanna give you as much information as I possibly can. So this is a particular student who gravitated to the perception tool and the perception tool that we have, it's a visual to show the, as, as the kids throughout the years named it, the pretty lady, she never gives up, she keeps on going and she uses her strategies, her tools. Whereas on the flip side, it's the ugly lady, or as one client, he called it the ugly boy because he was a boy. But uh, that side is she gives up, doesn't believe in herself, and doesn't use her strategies or tools. Really the same strategies and tools are in one. So here was a very fragile boy who was really trying. And coming from the outside in, it's really hard to know where these children have been and where they are right now. So the fact that he needed confidence in even being able to boost his perception by using a visual to have that foundation of I can and I will, and I will use my strategies. It's hard to see that, but that's all that was going on. So even something it's easy for you is putting a judgment on his ability. And children might not be ready to hear that even though you mean well. And just keep in mind that when we when we talk, it can actually hurt the learning process and make kids feel inferior. And we don't want that. Of course not. And so that's why you're with us today. And that's also why I bring in psychotherapist Deanna Sennis. And today she's going to discuss with us the impact that praise has on children's mental health and well-being. We have the pleasure of listening to her speak with us once again, and she's full of information. So welcome, Deanna. Thanks for joining us again. Deanna, I just need you to unmute. Yes. Thanks, Lisa. I'm very happy to be here. Appreciate it. So yeah, um, coming from the point of view of psychotherapy and counseling. Um, you know, I think right away of homes in which more negative comments are made than positive. Okay. And those are sometimes presented, you know, in my office and the child suffers terribly when um, there, it's a very harsh or critical home, uh, very hard to please their parents or guardians. Um, and so, you know, let's, let's just, let me begin the whole discussion of praise by saying how devastating it can be to just be in a negative environment like that. Um, and, and I have had some experiences with children in such an environment where it just took one person who was their biggest fan, who could turn around the damage that a negative home environment like that can cause. So I, I offer that comment by way of hope, uh, giving hope because it might be, you know, uh, a kindly neighbor who invites them in for a cookie, or it might be an aunt or a grandparent that they only see occasionally, but they feel like they are the center of the universe and they feel loved. And that one person in someone's um, life 
can make a difference long term. So, so even in the most negative or dysfunctional environments, uh, there is hope that even if there's one person supporting and cheering that person on, it can, it can make a huge difference in their outcome in life and their success in life. Um, of course, when we talk about praise, it's very important to use the word balance. So we've all been in homes where the refrigerator was completely covered in every little scribble that Junior brought home. And as you know, and as you said, Lisa, this is, um, has a really negative effect because it becomes meaningless. When we praise every single thing that this child brings home or says or does, um, I, I always think of uh, Joan Rivers. She said when she saw her daughter for the first time and um, her, mother, her mother came and saw the baby in the hospital and her mother was saying, oh my goodness, she's wonderful. She's amazing. I've never seen such a brilliant child. I've never seen such a perfect child. And Joan said, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? She goes, look at her. She's breathing. And she goes, mom, but everybody, <laughs> she, everybody breathes. And she goes, but so young. <laughs> <laughs> so that's sort of the off balance, you know, where anything they do. I've been in homes where, you know, I've heard people say, good eating, good eating, good chewing, you know, where everything or every picture is on the fridge. Yeah. What did you want? So eating wasn't a problem. Where eating, eating wasn't a concern. Not a problem, a not a concern, but just anything this child did was met with a compliment. Um, and research has shown that overpraising, if we don't get that in good balance, overpraising long-term effect has a spectrum of, of disastrous effects. And the spectrum begins with highly anxious children because they almost live in fear of not getting that praise. Or if they're in a different setting, it could be in school, it could be on a team sport where they're not getting that same amount of praise. It makes them highly anxious. They wonder, what, what am I doing wrong here? I'm so used to everything I've ever done being commended that this is now um, disturbing for them and creates great anxiety. At the other end of the spectrum, it creates such an inflated sense of self that there is an entitlement that results. And I don't think parents, teachers, any of us want either of those ends of the spectrum, you know, anxiety or entitlement. Um, in a way, what, what the perspective really that I see is with family in family life, um, parents need to be the people who are raising children who are prepared for life. And sometimes in life, you're not the best or the most perfect or the greatest. And if the first time a child hears that is in a setting where they're away from home, they're in a classroom, they're again on a sports field, they are at the recital, the dance recital, um, they haven't been prepared. If They've only heard compliments their whole life. They haven't been prepared for someone saying, well, you need to do that better. Or you could have, um, you could have put more effort in here and maybe this would have gone better. Or, you know, we, we practiced that swing of the bat and it, it didn't look like you followed through on what we suggested. And the child is so unused to that that they just utterly fall apart. And we don't want that, ex that negative experience, yeah. And, and I think what I see and what I'm hearing from you are things that are easily translatable also then into the classroom. For instance, yeah, I mean, when, when, you, when we overpraise at home, we see things 
in the classroom, such as that student who says, well, I work too, I'm finished too, what about me? You know, and as an educator, um, especially when I first started teaching emotionally disturbed kids, everybody's behavior was a little bit different. Your needs were so different. And it really that applies in school, at home. But I would have one chart for one student and a whole nother chart for a different student. One chart might mean you get a sticker. One person may not even have a chart because they just needed the praise the praise and, and structure. Right. And another might need it as tangible uh, as a reward. And so I know that there's so many teachers out there and they're uncomfortable with that. They say, well, that's not fair to the other, to the other students. But I think what we're saying here, and tell me what you think, Deanna, is that when we give children what they need, not too much, not too little, they find what you're talking about in terms of that balance. Absolutely. Do you agree? I do agree. And I'm looking at the beautiful plant behind you. And it's really a perfect metaphor for balance. If you don't water that plant, it will die. You know, so without praise, a child will really have a, a low self-esteem and, and just not really reach their potential and be motivated to try, right? The proper praise. The proper <laughs> praise. However, so dry is not good. But have you ever overwatered a plant? I have. Yeah. The leaves all turn yellow, they Ew. all fall off, oh, yeah. and the tree dies as well, the plant dies as well. So not enough water, too much water, you both are not um, supporting growth and health and well-being. So the plant, you know, just think of the plant, you need just the right amount of water, just the right amount of praise. And, and there are certain characteristics, and you've already mentioned um, and really emphasized the one, which is that um, it has to be, first of all, and above all else, authentic. If, if, you know, if you don't really believe what you're saying, the child will know, they will pick up on that. If you're just saying that is amazing and they know it was just two squiggly lines, they will not, they'll lose trust in your comments in the future. So you will lose a little credibility with that child. So it has to be authentic. Um, it has to be in balance and it has to be, as you said, and this is super, this is probably the most important based on specific actions and values which you want to encourage in that child. So again, if they are putting in effort, you praise the effort, not, oh, you're so smart, but I noticed how hard you worked on that. And I'm so proud of you. They may have gotten a low grade on things, but the effort is what you're praising and that will motivate them to work hard again in the future. So it has to be very specific. Um, I really like the way you supported your teammates out there on the field, you know, in the, in the other environment. That was, you were such a good sport. You cheered them on. Um, I really appreciated how hard you studied for that test. You know, your mom told me that you put in a lot of, lot of work. So praising the specific process or value behind the outcome is the best kind of praise. And the other thing is nothing motivates and nothing um, will inspire a child and motivate a child more than success. So we've oh, got yes. to set them up yes. for success. And it, it, you know, you, praise is empty 
if it's not, if it's not, if the child, they know if they've done something well and, and something to be proud of. So this empty, empty praise for every little thing they do. And I have a sad sort of, you know, story from my own life. Very recently, I was in a, a child's home, a friend, a family friend, and the, the little boy came out and showed me this trophy and said, you see my trophy? And I said, it's beautiful. How nice. What, what is the trophy for? And he said, ah, uh, he said, we didn't even win much and we didn't even get in the tournament. Our team, pardon the expression, our team sucked, but we got this trophy. And then he tossed it aside. And I thought to myself, that is inauthentic praise when everybody gets a trophy this kid knew his team was not among the best and he's not proud of the trophy he's Imagine embarrassed that. what he's are we embarrassed. doing yeah that's such a great example i yes. always say the kids need to see it to believe it yes and when they succeed and they've done well they know it and then authentic praise specific to the process behind and the value behind the outcome that is winning an effective and useful and meaningful praise. Yes. <laughs> and no, you're so, so passionate about yes, it, right? I am. I am because I've yes. seen it over, I've seen the plant overwatered and I've seen the plant sadly underwatered. And it really is about the balance and authenticity and specificity, as you yes, said. Yes, that's very good. Yes. yes. And yes. I think that as adults, if we can shape our thinking to understand this, then it just becomes a way that we communicate. And it's yes. actually a small adjustment there after a while that makes it have a big, big impact and outcome. Yes, changes. yes, yes. And, and one last thing is it also models for children to be authentic in their own complimenting of their peers or their siblings. It really sets a good example and, and teaches them the authenticity behind our communication. So that's a good thing as well. And on that note, what do you think in terms of having um, that balance growing up in terms of how they view themselves and what their own capabilities are? Right. Yeah. As I said, the thing that affects that the most is success. Yeah. Um, you know, things like little things like giving children chores in the classroom as well as at home and feeling good about the fact that they've helped and they've contributed in some way to the, the community that they're a part of. Those are the things that will inspire confidence and better performance in the future. Not just empty words like, yay, good eating. <laughs> and I think I think they will know themselves so much better too. They'll Absolutely. know what comes easy and they'll know what they need to really work for. Absolutely right. And no one can be good at everything you know, pardon that judging word, they're good, but there are things they will be better at and not as not as skilled in, and it's not going to harm them to let them know that. It's okay for them to know that there are certain areas in which, you know, um, they, they have their gifts and there are others in which, you know, there are other people who can do those things. Right. <laughs> uh, and that's important for them to hear. It is, it, uh, especially yeah. in comparison to you graded everything. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. Well said, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay for, for us to encourage students to follow their passion and their wants and, and provide them with the information and the opportunity to be able to learn those skills. But then in the end, it's up to them to really 
know themselves and say, is this the path I want to go? Right. Or is there another path for me? Right. Yeah. So when you say the inflated entitlement, we see a lot of students who are oftentimes, um, they lack accountability or they're even over-dependent. They want you to do everything. How do you spell this word? Oh, what do I do? You know, they want you to guide them step by step. Do you think in any way praise is um, has an impact on this at all? It certainly can. Um, and especially the child that needs constant affirmation. I don't know if, if that's right. what you were referring to. There are some who just like me, me, you know. Yeah, um, yeah so the, the praise in moderation would really be excellent for that that student for the one who is struggling and and in need of more encouragement praise of again the effort is what will make will turn that into i can that i cannot into i can um, praising the effort praising the good attitude praising not giving up those very specific concrete things would be uh, a really uh, healing healing um, bomb for those for those students are you yeah. talking about really encouraging their perseverance absolutely yeah. yes yes rather than taking over for them and, and i think correct there's a fine line between praise in the way that we've discussed it uh and i'll take care of it for you because we're so sometimes whether it be parents or educators or adults in general sometimes we're afraid to hurt children's feelings. Yes. And we're not looking to hurt children's feelings, but it's the, okay, so tell me how this went. What worked for you? What didn't work for you? Mm -hmm. Where do you think we should begin? And oftentimes they know those answers. Of course, yeah, you're right. And uh, there, you know, there's praise, and then there's flattery, or, or what the Irish call blarney, you know, and people can sense that a mile away. And it really doesn't do much for their self-confidence or their motivation to keep trying. Uh, so I think staying away from that false kind of flattery is really important in education and in the home. Yeah. Right, I agree. So a couple of things, those three things that we wanna avoid is, you're so smart, good boy, and good girl. So today, I would like to thank you, Deanna, for uh, joining us. My pleasure. Really appreciate your input always. You're so knowledgeable and always right on point. So to my listeners here today, remember, stop telling your students you are so smart and start telling them what you really mean. We wanna thank you for joining us today to help turn your students, I can't, into I can. And in the comments below, let me know what strategies you're going to use this week or strategies you have used since first listening to this podcast. We wanna know what's working for you and build a community where you're all learning from each other too and seeing what works and what inspires you as well. Uh -huh. Please remember to like, subscribe and share. Join me in two weeks for my next episode, supporting students in school and at home. See you then.
Thank you for listening to the Student Success Beyond Expectations podcast, where school leaders, educators, and parents meet on behalf of children who struggle with learning. To bring workshops to your school or organization, contact Child Behavior Consulting and get started with resources available at childbehaviorconsulting.com, Amazon, and teachespayteachers.com for ready-to-use resources and children's books. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember to review, subscribe, share, and give us a shout out on social media.